I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. KFI AM 640. You're listening to The John and Ken Show on demand on the iHeartRadio app. On the radio from 1 to 4 and after 4 o'clock, if you miss stuff, get the uh, get the John and Ken On Demand podcast. Yeah, and also a quick reminder, the Moist Line is coming back around tomorrow, and we've got room for your calls because of the short week, and we were both out a couple of days. So uh, leave a message using the iHeartRadio app, the microphone icon, or call the toll-free number 1-877-MOIST-86, 1-877-664-7886. You also have a chance to win money at 120. Here come those keywords. We'll have three of them in the show: 120, and a 220, and a 320 for your chance to win a thousand dollars. Just follow the directions. We'll be wading into that story out of Lancaster, which led to a news conference yesterday by the uh, by Sheriff Puppet Robert Luna, the LA County Sheriff Puppet. Anyway, uh, concerning a couple of LA County Sheriff's deputies who were responding to a call about shoplifting and ended up getting into it with a couple. Uh, including a woman that eventually got taken to the ground and pepper sprayed. We get all the details from the man covering this for KFI News. Uh, Steve Gregory coming up after 2 o'clock. I think, I don't know if you've all played this game, but I had a version of it about an hour and a little over an hour ago. Outside my home, I couldn't tell the distance. I heard a voice, loud Okay, so the game is, is this a crazy homeless person or is this someone just talking loudly on their cell phone and walking the neighborhood? Could be either one, right? Oh, yeah. Listened a little more carefully, decided, uh-uh, the voice isn't normal. I couldn't pick out all the words, but I said the tone, not right. It was kind of like, let's see if I can imitate it. I answer where you answer, I 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 answer
So I went and looked, and sure enough, it's a scraggly homeless guy standing on a corner, eh, not that far from my home, but up near a, a busier road. And I could see his uh, scruffy beard, drug out eyes, had something wrapped around his shoulders like a blanket. And he's just standing there staring. And then he's doing a long, loud monologue on it makes no sense, right? Because when you're zapped out on drugs, it completely makes no sense. And I'm like, well, that's the closest that has come to my house. <laughs> it's the first thing I thought of. And I said, if I wonder if it's bothering the family living there, but within uh, half an hour, I don't hear it anymore. So. A long, loud monologue that makes no sense. Why don't you offer him a job here? See, yeah, he's really. interested. He could be a talk show host, right? <laughs> he, he, he You've talk. heard these guys, the way they ramble, and if, if you try to focus on the words, it really wouldn't make much difference because they no. don't make any sense. It's no, kind they're, of just they're, random nonsense. Right, because they're brain damaged. Right, there's an occasional word in there that you might recognize, yeah. but uh, yeah. no, and I wasn't going to confront. I didn't even call the police. I thought about it for a second, then I said, well, let's see what happens. You didn't offer him some food? Water? I should have, I, I should have offered him an ADU, an acceler, an accessory <laughs> dwelling unit. That's right. You have a, you probably have an extra room or two in your house. Yeah, I probably should have taken him in. That would have been the Christian yeah. thing to do. Except you did nothing. It might have been dangerous, but it would have been the Christian thing <laughs> to do. Right? He's just going to continue to rot and decay on the streets. I don't believe all homeless people are violent, but uh, they're yeah, unstable. Well, is, not, is the word I I'm use. I'm not playing that lottery. No. Well, that leads us to this interesting story from the El Segundo Times. A number of Ninth Circuit, that's the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, it's got, how is it, John? 20 judges? I don't know. You usually know this answer, right? I Having think a total on the Ninth 20... Circuit, which covers the, a couple of the Western states. I think there's 29 judges. There's a lot. There's, right. Yeah, because they cover such a huge territory. Yeah. And traditionally, it has been really left-wing. And then Trump got... A lot of judges added during his term, 10 of them. Now, Biden has come back and appointed seven. <laughs> they turn over fast. 17 judges in the last few years have turned over? <laughs> yeah, they're very old. Oh, I, I see. think there's a whole. Well, there's one one in here got appointed by Reagan. That makes him. That's yeah. got to be pretty old. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. That's got to be 40 Good. plus years ago. Yeah. So that, that guy's in his 80s. Um, well, a few of them have mouthed off, and you may be familiar with what they're mouthing off about. The Ninth Circuit has weighed in on homelessness in a couple of uh, big cases. Most recently, last September, a three-judge panel made that old ruling, and this came from a case out of Oregon, a place called Grants Pass, Oregon, about whether or not the homeless can sleep in public spaces, can just squat down and spend all night there. And they tried to pass some ordinances restricting that in Grants Pass, Oregon, and it made its way to the Ninth Circuit, and it was a liberal-leaning three-judge panel. They overturned as unconstitutional this set of local ordinances and grants pass that barred homeless people from sleeping in certain public areas. And then there's that famous 2018 decision. Is that the Boise-Idaho decision? Yeah. In which, in which another Ninth Circuit panel found that Eighth Amendment prohibits the imposition of criminal penalties for sitting, sleeping, or lying outside on public property for homeless individuals yeah. who cannot obtain shelter. I always want to make clear, because I saw Mike Bonin lie about this in person. All that means is they had the right to sleep overnight. Let's say between 9 p.m. and 6 a.m. It doesn't mean they get a 24-hour encampment that they can build a tent and bring furniture and spread themselves out. They can be disrupted every day at 6 in the morning. Now, they can reconvene and, and you know roll out their sleeping bag again at 9 that night, but then they have to pack up and leave. 
And, and, and so if you ever hear a single official saying, well, you know, there's been appeals court rulings, like, no, 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 no. That's just for the overnight period. If there aren't any shelter beds available. And Grants Pass didn't have any shelter beds. Uh, so it's it it is it, it's a ridiculous, stupid ruling, but it is a limited one. Well, Grants Pass appealed this, and they went to the uh, the whole panel to or get a bigger panel to rule. And apparently, yesterday, the Ninth Circuit issued an order denying the city's request, indicating a majority of the twenty nine active judges voted against rehearing the case. So that ended it for Grants Pass. But that didn't stop these, uh, and they're being described as conservative justices on the Ninth Circuit. Twelve of them. Yeah, putting out this opinion that this is crazy, as the Times puts it. The court's conservative wing painted a dystopian portrait of an American West deprived of its public spaces and under siege by an overwhelming epidemic of homelessness. That's, That's true. That's typical El Segundo. <laughs> yeah, but the way he wrote it, it's oh. almost dismissive as yes. if these people yeah. are, you know, that, they're trying to act like it's the end of the world. They're hysterical and hyperbolic. This is Kevin Rector is the, uh, the left-wing writer who uh, produced right. this story. And uh, uh, a guy by the name of Judge Mylon Smith Jr., who was appointed by President George W. Bush, wrote that homelessness is the defining public health and safety crisis in the Western United States. And he talked about California and Los Angeles. And he said, there are stretches of the city where one cannot help but think the government has shirked its most basic responsibilities under the social contract. And you and I have used that term before. There's kind of a, a social contract that goes on in life. Mm -hmm. Providing public safety and ensuring that public spaces remain open to all. One-time public spaces like parks, many of which provide scarce outdoor space in dense working-class neighborhoods, are filled with thousands of tents and makeshift structures and are no longer welcoming the broader community. Eight other judges joined his dissent in whole or in part with their own stories. And one of them even talked about, you know, San Francisco and what you can see there. There was a, another judge... Diarmud Oskanian, Oskanlane, and he's the one from uh, the Reagan era. He said this decision now effectively guarantees a personal constitutional right for individuals to camp or sleep on sidewalks and parks and playgrounds uh, in defiance of traditional health, safety, and welfare laws. It is a dubious holding premised on a fanciful interpretation of the Eighth Amendment, and his dissent was joined uh, by 14 other conservatives on the court. Yeah, one of them wrote that the September decision was inventive, judge-made novelty. He says it's telling that the Ninth Circuit is the only one bold enough to embrace such a doctrine. And he says, look at San Francisco. You go through the Tenderloin or Skid Row, L.A., communities are fast coming undone. Tents crowding out sidewalks, needles flooding parks, rubbish and worse, marring public squares reflect a threat to the public welfare that should not be taken lightly. So at least when you read this, you, you feel that there's some well, hope. It's just a matter of who controls the courts. Right. And and had they gotten a different three-judge panel to, to uh, hear the case, you would have had a different decision, which is, which is really maddening because there's only one constitution and one law. And there's really a, a, an agreed-upon way of life that everybody has followed for you know, almost 250 years now that public spaces are to be kept free of menace right. and, 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 and people doing disgusting things and people repelling others from using the park. I mean, we all agreed on what that is. Uh, now, the end of this story makes it clear that it's possibly a signal coming from these justices 
to get this case to the U.S. Supreme Court, where if you look at some of the most of the decisions with the 6-3 majority of conservatives, this might go a different way. This could be their way of trying to publicly signal the U.S. Supreme Court, take a case like this. Here's the thing. I I don't understand. Why is it conservative to want a clean park without (laughs) drug-addicted mental patient weirdos scaring children away? Because it, it leads to enforcement, which leads to police, which leads to we don't like the police from the liberals, from the progressives. We don't like that's enforcement. So stupid. Well, you, that's just so stupid. And it leads to what? Chaos. When you don't have enforcement, the opposite of enforcement is chaos. And that's what you have in the public spaces now. Now, who likes that? Does anybody like that? I don't understand. I've never met a person who actually wants to walk through, oh, I don't know, the Tenderloin District at 10 o'clock at night. Anybody really want to do that? No, but they've adjusted to it and they've normalized it. So therefore, the other half of them says, this is so sad. Somebody should do it. And then just blame the government. The government should take care of all these people. But the public, all of the public pays for these public spaces. And clearly a huge majority want the spaces kept clean. And we can play this game all day, but it is a public space, and most of the public that pays for the space wants to use it in a peaceful way. So I don't see what their legal standing is here. This is just, you know, like religious fanaticism on their part. But the people in these places we're talking about, big parts of L.A., the West Side, and then San Francisco, they've just decided that we'll live with this until they find a solution. That's kind of what they're saying. There's no solution if you don't want to enforce the solution. All right. We got more coming up, including your chance at uh, some money. Uh, KFI AM 640 live everywhere. The iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken on demand from KFI AM 640. Another day in vagrant land. We're just talking about some Ninth Circuit conservative justices. But John's right. It shouldn't be conservative to have the viewpoint that homeless people stinking up the parks and leaving needles and feces everywhere is not a problem, right? Yeah, I don't understand. I, I just don't understand why this is a political issue. Well, the, because you, the other side feels like it's not their doing. They have fallen into homelessness and we need to help them. And until we but, can, they should sleep where they want to sleep because we, they've got nowhere else to go. But the, See, I can parrot the argument. But the same crowd says we can't force them into treatment you cannot well actually and as we've learned in the last couple of years you now have to have a luxurious apartment with full services (laughs) right you're not going to stick them into a stinking shelter no congregate living as they call it where does that come from Uh, that evolved in the last few years i think and the pandemic that's where that evolved from because Uh, everyone was like oh they're going to get COVID if they're stuck together and so let's put them in private hotel rooms and then it launched into something nicer than that but all these ideas are are on its face stupid they're not even debatable (laughs) they're stupid so why, why 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 are the stupid crazy people with all their hysteria why are they carrying the day well first of all it goes back to a main tenet that you and I and many people believe in. One was the social contract you have, and second is self-responsibility. But this opposite crowd doesn't believe in either one of those things. Yes, uh, Especially but number two. They believe that a lot of this is the makings of this yeah. terrible American capitalistic system, which exploits okay. people. People can't afford stuff. Right. So they're left homeless, and we need to be sympathetic and find them a beautiful place to live. And this is like 5% of the country. Probably, but why are they always in elective office and then uh, they're judges? Yeah, and why do they work in the media and amplify all this? <laughs> <laughs> had, had this happen? 
I, but when you see these polls, if you believe them, these California polls, that, that they seem to be the same ilk, some of the people that respond, right? But often they are. I haven't seen a poll that outright asks should the homeless be removed yeah, from all right. public spaces, but but um, they're, they're usually asked some type of question concerning homelessness, and I, I can tell because it's always it's always uh, trend. It's always never enough. It's always okay. We belt shelters. Well, it's not fair because you don't let them do their drugs in the shelter. Oh, come on! <laughs> now you're gonna get you're gonna get punched. You're right. We, it's it's not fair that we don't let them do drugs in the shelter. What do you think would happen then if you put 100 drug addicts in the shelter and they spend the whole night smoking and snorting? Then what happens? The place burns down. What I often find interesting about this, too, it's, it's opposite in another way. Uh, it's almost libertarian. They believe that you just have to leave the homeless alone and let them make their own choices. Right? They believe in the very pure feeling of uh, uh, they can do what they want to do. It's their life. But... You and I say not when it affects public space, That's not right. when it affects but, uh, the quality of life, because uh, the other, home values, all of these things. You can't. That's the social contract part of this. The other side of being libertarian is you want to be left alone. You want to be left alone by the government. You certainly want to be left alone by the freaking uh, lunatic drug addicts right. in town. You want to be left alone. And you have a right to be left alone. You, and, and we're paying for this. That's another thing. We're, we're, we're paying for the, for the parks. And we're also paying for these idiot council members and supervisors and legislators who allow this to go on and now judges and now judges our, our paycheck is financing all this and we're building eight hundred thousand dollar homes that are, are, are never going to be used i mean i just the only perfect middle ground and we've talked about it a lot over the years is slab city that's where, if you want to be like that, then go way out there into your own desert community, far from the rest of us, where we don't care about that stinking public space, right. and do what you want with it. And enjoy Have the no government, have chaos, don't care, but go there. Get on a bus, take your tent, set yourself up hundreds of miles from the rest of <laughs> enjoy us. Enjoy the 130-degree heat. That's it. That's the only compromise I see between the two far-apart sides on this kind of thing. Bye. I don't know. But our, our side, we, we've, we've got... We've got I, 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 you know, when people vote on this stuff, like like in the in the uh, Mike Bonin race, people voted on that issue, and that's why Tracy Park won. Yeah, that was a big issue to people yeah, in that they, the council and, district. And he dropped out of the race because he knew he was going to be a loser. So I the, the vote, and you is can there. see from that latest homeless count, that was one of the biggest areas of homeless growth, the West Side. That's why yep. those people moved and finally voted on it. Yeah. So, they did. I, I'm, I'm hoping the next homeless count is better because Tracy Park's trying, and right. I don't know about Bassetti she, yet. But she's really the only one with her head screwed on straight in the whole city council. Yeah, she's so, the, the only one who talks normally and has normal views on, on what should be obvious. All right, we got more coming up. Johnny Ken KFI AM six forty. We're live everywhere. It's the iHeartRadio app. You paying attention in there? I am. What is she I'm doing? I'm always I, paying attention. She's picking her nose again. She's doing nails. Ken, I don't do that. I'm a lady. <laughs> I don't fart. I don't pick my nose. I don't. <laughs> Just sitting there giggling. I, Deborah Mark Lyman. Never belches. Nothing. No. I, I'm, I'm perfectly ladylike. Okay. Uh, the perfect lady. We'll play along. As the news. <laughs> Go ahead. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring bit. out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Michael Rappaport, and my wife, Kibi Rappaport, starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. On the radio from 1 till 4, and after 4 o'clock, you could hear what you missed on the John and Ken On Demand podcast. Yeah, and the Moist Line is coming back tomorrow, so another reminder to get your calls in there, and maybe you'll hear yourself during the 3 o'clock hour. We have not played Moist Line calls. It'll be two weeks, so you can leave a message uh, using the iHeartRadio app, the microphone icon, or call the toll-free number 1-877-MOIST-86, 1-877-664-7886. After 2 o'clock, we'll wade into the latest policing controversy. I swear these get so much more attention than the actual real crime that's going on. This one's not that bad, even. A couple of L.A. County Sheriff's deputies who manhandled a couple outside a store in Lancaster. There was a shoplifting call and also a complaint that they assaulted. And I like this term, a loss prevention officer. You know, it, it, you know, they shouldn't. A security guard. They, really. sh- they shouldn't have done this, but there no, wasn't a shooting. I, I mean, I that this this she got just, pepper sprayed and driven to the ground. I mean, you know, uh, she's got a good lawsuit coming. She's going to make some money. But, uh, man, the, the coverage is so over the top now in these things. I think Steve Gregory talked to an attorney for one of the deputies, so he may have some good stuff for us right. uh, coming up after 2 o'clock as we'll ravel through this story. We cover these things from time to time. I like to pick them because I just find it great when you have what I would call two sides Uh, on the environment fighting each other, right? The climate crazies versus the species crazies, I'll call it. The El Segundo Times did a long story recently. Oh, my God. About solar power. This was a book. (laughs) This was a book. Did you get to the I actually started reading it last week, but I didn't finish it until today when I said, "Ah, I think I want to talk about this because don't we all care about desert tortoises? No? Well, yeah, I do. Well, uh, all right, well... The idea would be, ideally, you could put all the solar panels on the rooftops of buildings and sunny places. That's not going to result in enough energy. 
So everyone knows, and they mostly agreed, you have to build these massive solar farms. And where's a good place to do that? Anybody got a guess what state? Hmm. Where, where apparently 75% of the land is federal owned. I didn't know that until I read this story. Nevada. And that's where this story takes us. Because that's where they Nevada certainly gets a lot of sun. They're going to turn Nevada into one gigantic solar panel. They, well, not if uh, guys like this, uh, people in the story, uh, like him. He's got a walking stick. His name is Patrick Donnelly. And he's with the Center for Biological Diversity. And um, he said that uh, he, he's one of these people that's tied in knots over this. Here's the quote. There is no good solar project in the desert. But there is less bad. We're at a point now where we have to settle for less bad because the alternatives are more bad. More right. coal, more gas, more climate apocalypse. That's right. See, this is the thing. They are so terrified that this, this religion is an apocalyptic religion. The climate change religion, it's, yeah. it leads to all of our deaths. So now when they have to make these difficult decisions, what's more important? Who do we save? It's always in, in the face of a end of times philosophy. You know, this, this is the preaching from the climate change leaders. This is end of days if you don't sacrifice now. And that's why they are so aggressive in trying to take away our ordinary pleasures like fireworks, right? Well, they'll they tell you that they've been patient, but people are just not acting. And I'm talking about the regular folks. Because most people... Like cutting back on air travel, that story we did yesterday. Yeah. They're not doing things that they think could really make a difference Be collectively. So now they have to make it apocalyptic to get right. your attention. Because most... That's what Jerry Brown did. Remember because, that the right. famous apocalypse desk we have? Yeah, that's right. Because most people know this is nuts, right? They just feel it. They just sense it. Like these people are crazy. These are the, the, the religious people who stand on the cliff waiting for the rapture, waiting for God to come down and save them, you know, from this, uh, from this mortal planet. And, and, and so now because it's become so uh, evangelical, so, 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 so cult-like, um, they're starting to look crazier and crazier because what are they coming after? They're coming after your hamburger. They're coming after your car. They're coming after your fireworks. You, you know, you can't, you can't take a plane trip to see your family anymore. Everything is about guilt. Everything is about you, you, you have to be punished. You have to sacrifice. You have to do without. No, nobody wants to hear we that. We live in an excessive consumption society, John Cobelt. But, but and you're way. a big part of it, you Mr. Westsider. Oh, I can uh, like crazy. Yeah. The, the well, Donnelly said here he cares about everything. In, and you may think this is the desert, but there's there's life out there. Even little-known plants and animals with tiny ranges. Mentioned here is something called TM's buckwheat. That's some kind of a plant. And the Dixie Valley toad. And his quote is, I'm not a religious guy, but you know, all God's creatures, great and small. Mm. So it's activists and, and organizations yeah. like this that fight these solar farms because they, they're damaging, they believe, to these, these species of plants and here, animals. Here's a here's central question in the story. By the way, the guy writing this is Sammy Roth, and he's a climate nut. Oh, that's right. Sammy Roth, we yes. ran into him I a few times. We've mocked him before. Uh, Deborah. Deborah. All right, here's the central question that he writes. Should Americans be willing to sacrifice a few endangered species in the name of tackling climate change? Yes or no? No. No? No. Oh, look at that. She was quick to answer. Climate change heretic. 
Yeah, she's she's chosen the species yes. over climate change. You'd yes. rather us uh, just boil over and die then? You know what? We'll take our chances. That won't happen for a very long time. But uh, why would we want to harm these these? Uh, I'm these with you. I'm species. <laughs> these I'm, endangered species. I'm I'm uh, pro desert tortoise. Oh, I love I love tortoises. I would like. What, one. what happens to them? They burn oh. out. What happens to them with these solar farms? Do they? Uh, I think their habitats are disrupted. Oh, these things are massive. Have you seen them out? Like if you go way, way down the ten freeway on the way to Arizona, they have some of these things. I have seen them. Yes, uh, they're 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 gigantic, and they take up. Well, you know they're they're continuous. They're continuous. Uh, collection of panels so the entire right. region there is destroyed for uh you know the natural habitat right they actually built a shade shelter for tortoises out there in one of these solar farms <laughs> that's so nice like, like they're talking about with the bus stops for people <laughs> workers install them every 800 feet so if any relocated reptiles try to return to the solar farm too early they don't die pacing along the fence in the heat oh i because, see because they're trying they're, to come back to their territory well because the tortoises i mean if they're anything like uh, I don't know if you ever seen at the beach, uh, like the sea turtles. Yes, uh, they, you know, and and, and the uh, the state or the county will fence off areas along the beach. They do it here. They do it in Florida, and because the the turtles come and they lay their eggs, and then the eggs hatch underneath the sand, and so you have like a picket fence made to protect the eggs. And then when when they hatch, they try to crawl into the ocean. They just have an instinct as to what to do. Right. And a lot of them don't make it. The the the, uh, the mother lays tons and tons of eggs because uh, some of them will hatch and some of them will die on the way to uh, getting to the ocean or they'll be you know eaten by predators. You see what Sammy Roth wrote here? Uh, we do, however, know the consequences of relying on fossil fuels. Entire towns burning to the ground. Lake Mead, three-quarters empty. Elderly Americans baking to death in their overheated homes. Yeah, yeah that's Worse it. Worse to come. <laughs> that's it. Elderly Americans baking to death. I guess he's, let me see Where, the link here. Is he talking about Paradise, the fire of Paradise? I would imagine, yeah, Paradise. See, he yeah. didn't mention that was done by the uh, by PG&E and uh, their badly maintained <laughs> the power lines electrical the power lines. Yeah, that wasn't mentioned by Sammy Roth. No, he's a propaganda guy. Oh, God. He's like, well, uh, they gave him quite a job here. This story was uh, yeah, because incredibly long. Because that's all they do. They just, they just, they just write, they, they, it, they only write stuff about race. Uh, weird gender stories, uh, climate change. That's like 90% of the El Segundo Times Day. But at least this time they kind of had what I call the progressive environmental matchup. It's the people trying to save the species yeah. versus the people <laughs> who think they're going to save the planet from fossil fuels by building all these solar farms. Yeah, the crazy. Uh, how, do they, how do they work this out was yeah. kind of the question. Well, you know, see, that's the thing. You yeah. have to pick a side. Desert tortoise. And that's what that guy said that I quoted. He said, there's no good solar farms, but there are less bad ones. Look how one solar farm they're building off the 15 freeway. 1.8 million panels will cover 4,000 football fields worth of land. Wow. 4,000 football fields worth. <laughs> That's. Uh, oh, by the way, a lot of this power is going to come to California because we're the ones that are going nuts with the, being renewable. Right, so these solar farms are not just meant for Nevada; they're meant for the whole Western states that need this power. By the way, you notice the the subtle phrase they use: "solar farms" to make it sound natural and organic. It's these aren't farms. Oh, do you see? They talked to one of the biologists who said 
the, she, 20 years ago, she helped relocate desert tortoises to make way for a test track in California. One of them tried to return home, Aww. walked 20 miles, hit a fence, paced <gasps> back and forth, and died of heat exhaustion. Oh, that's why they put the shade structure up. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they can't well, because the they, they just have an instinct. They know where they're supposed to go back to, and they can't get there, and they're just going to keep trying and trying and trying, and it's 100 degrees, and they wow. exhaust themselves. And they're, you know, they're upside down on their shell. No. Uh-huh. All right, we got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, the iHeartRadio app. You're listening to John and Ken On Demand from KFI AM 640. All right, we'll talk about that story out of Lancaster where a couple of L.A. County Sheriff's deputies were responding to a call of shoplifting at a store and a possible attack on security guards and uh, resulted in them tangling with a couple including a woman who started to video the whole thing with her cell phone, and that's when an officer went after her. Another woman actually took, the vi- took video, too, so that's how we have a video of the whole confrontation, plus the body cam of the sheriff's deputies. We'll be talking to Steve Gregory, KFI News, coming up after 2 o'clock for more on the story to see what else uh, we can find out. Now we move to the world of... Well, former presidents and former presidents' uh, children. Two categories here. The first story that pops up today concerns Obama, a guy who was a defendant in the January 6th Capitol takeover story, has been arrested near the home of Obama in Washington, D.C. He had weapons and ammunition in his van. He was going to blow up the van at a government facility the day before. His name is Taylor Taranto. He's from Washington State. He was taken into custody just a few days ago on June 29th at Obama's residence in a neighborhood of D.C. called uh, Calorama. Secret Service agents spotted him several blocks from the residence. He was arrested on an arrest warrant related to his actions on January 6th. Four misdemeanor charges related to the riot. Um, In back-to-back hearings, a judge has been grappling with the government's request to keep him detained until trial, saying case law prevented him from considering factors beyond whether he poses a flight risk when deciding whether or not to release him. Um, It says here that the officials in Washington state must get a plan in place for his pretrial release and custodianship if the judge rules to release him. There's another hearing that's going to be coming up next week. There's a, a Washington Post had details of what he was doing. He recorded himself walking in the neighborhood saying he was looking for entrance points and tunnels underneath their houses, referring to Obama's house and John Podesta's house, who used to be the chairman of Hillary Clinton's campaign. Taranto said he had control of the block and said he was trying to get a shot and a good angle on a shot. He was monitored by Secret Service agents and taken into custody. And uh, they had a FBI bomb squad, a canine uh, unit. They found a machete, 400 rounds of ammunition, two handguns, two 9mm pistols uh, were among 20 firearms registered to Toronto. But the other 18, they don't know where those are. He apparently traveled from Washington State and was living out of his van. There was a report from the Associated Press that, that Trump had put up Obama's Washington, D.C. address on social media recently. Yeah. And that may have been a cue for this guy. That's yeah, a uh, good idea. To you head there and- now, really? You, you, put up, you put up Obama's address on your social media when you have so many lunatics following you. 
Yeah, you know, I, it's hard not to think that Trump wants something spectacular to happen. I uh, you get that. Well, you always says he loves chaos. Yeah, but this is I this don't know is, what yeah, this is. This, this, this is, a, is chaos uh, to the extreme here. Uh, yeah, uh, it says here they uh, had to chase him a short pursuit on foot, and they eventually caught him. And a dog detected gunpowder gunpowder in his van. Hundreds of rounds of nine millimeter ammunition, two guns inside, as well as a machete, but no actual explosives were found in the vehicle. He, they think he moved across the country two months ago, living in his van. He was a regular outside the D.C. jail where many January 6th defendants are being held it, before it, he was banned by other protesters. It, other protesters banned him. Yeah, he's a QAnon guy. Oh, yeah. Did you see the other QAnon guy who died? No. No, this guy, Michael Protzman. He died in a dirt bike crash, 60 years old. He was the one who originally claimed that JFK would reappear. Oh, right. JFK would reappear and at Dealey Plaza, the site of his assassination. That he says that JFK and his son JFK Jr. were alive. And that huh. Kennedy was going to reinstate Trump as president and then persecute the uh the global cabal of pedophiliac blood drinking liberal elites. Well, that goes back to Pizzagate, right? Right, yeah, exactly. The child sex ring that was being run out of a Washington DC pizza parlor. He would that, he would tell people never die. He would tell people he was in direct contact with Trump and that the former president was JFK Jr. in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> he, and and now some of his followers, Protzman followers, don't believe he's dead. Oh, they don't believe? Oh, no, of no. course not. Now they quote Shelley Muinax. Um, if that was the plan God had for him, I know everything is going to be revealed soon. Hmm. It's all part of the plan. You know, <laughs> six degrees of separation. I ran into somebody this weekend who took a new job not that long ago. And she was telling me that, yeah, one of her co-workers believes that uh, most of the people in power are imposters. <laughs> that, uh, that, that belief that they're all fake, that, right. uh, that they're either wearing masks or whatever, they're impersonating, and eventually they'll all be rounded up and taken into custody. Yeah. Uh, oh, now, the former president, other former president's story is about Trump, but it's not about Donald Trump and sex. It's Donald Trump Jr. There's a singer. Have you ever heard of Aubrey O'Day? I had to look her up. I, I've heard of her, but I don't. I don't know anything about her. She's claiming that she uh, she began having sex with Donald Trump Jr. and of all places, it was in a gay club bathroom. Mm. How about that? I was hosting a gay club, and our first time going out together, he wanted to see me so bad. I told him, "Well, I'm going to be at a gay club tonight." So we showed up, and I'm talking about this is one of the biggest gay parties in New York. It's a huge bleeping club. Everyone was in a G string or less. She says. Um, G-string or less? That's right. So some, I guess, were nude. I, uh, she thought there was no way he would come, but he did come to the club. Uh -huh. I looked at his Instagram for the first time in years and saw all kinds of jokes of belittling the gay community. I said, man, you were super comfortable in that gay club. And she says, uh, we ended up going to the bathroom, and for the first time, I had sex with him in a gay club bathroom. That's her <laughs> allegation. I don't know. How could you make that up? I don't know. <laughs> Says they allegedly began having feelings for each other while working on, oh, Celebrity Apprentice in 2011. That's how they met. Oh. I think we noticed pretty quickly that we laughed every time everyone else wasn't laughing. 
we would wink at each other and when something was funny, but nobody else was willing to admit it. Now, is he the one with Kimberly Guilfoyle or is he the one yes. with the... He is. Yeah. Oh. Oh. He divorced oh. his uh, wife along the way. Right. Trump was married to his first wife, Vanessa Trump, at the time of the alleged affair, but they, they, they divorced in 2018 and they share five children. So, all right. Coming up next, Steve Gregory, KFI News, is covering the story out of Lancaster where a couple of L.A. County Sheriff's deputies have been disciplined. Uh, there is a video taken by a bystander along with a body cam video of the police officers where they apparently slammed a woman to the ground. Sheriff Luna called it disturbing at a press conference yesterday, says there'll be a thorough review of the confrontation. We'll give you the whole story as we know it. We'll find out more. This happened outside a grocery store in Lancaster back on June 24th. Johnny Ken, KFI AM 640, live everywhere, iHeartRadio app. And Deborah Mark, live in the 24-hour KFI newsroom. Hey, you've been listening to the John and Ken Show. You can always hear us live on KFI AM 640, 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. every Monday through Friday. And, of course, anytime on demand on the iHeartRadio app. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kiwi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.